0: And we're thankful for that. So we pray now as we spend time in your word that it's helpful for us, that it brings glory to you, and that it's inspiring to us to live each day in view of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So for the past few weeks on Sunday mornings, we've been dealing with the attributes that are only true of God. So now on this Christmas day, we're going to learn that only God is eternal. Only God is eternal. Eternal is existing forever without beginning or end. Now, Psalm 90 verse 2 says this. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever, you had formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. This psalm is actually a prayer of Moses, and he's praising God because he is the creator and he's eternal. He has no beginning He has no end. So the natural question to ask is, well, where did God come from? Have you ever thought about that? If God has no beginning or no end, if God was, where did he come from? Well, the logical answer is God just was. Now, if there was another force that created God, that force would be God. So basically, we have faith in the Scriptures and what the Scriptures teach, and that is that God was. This is what Jesus says in Revelation 1.8. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, because God is eternal, He's not limited by time. In fact, He can see the whole course of time right now, past, present, and future. The theologian Wayne Grudem says it this way. He says, God sees all time equally. So not to blow your mind too much on Christmas morning, but God can see the whole course of human history right now. So now uh, we see in 2 Peter 3:8, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Now this illustration's not perfect, but it's helpful. If you go to a parade and you set out, say you go to Thanksgiving Day Parade, and you find a spot on the side of the street to watch the parade, what part of the parade do you see? It's not really a trick question, (laughs) but it's the part that passes by you, right? And eventually you'll see the whole parade, but you only see the part that's in front of you. Of course you know the part that's coming is happening, right? The part that passed you is continuing to happen, but you're only seeing what is in front of you. Unless, of course, you have an aerial view, right? If you have an aerial view, you could see the whole entire parade at one time. Well, in some senses, God sees history like the aerial view of a parade. He sees the whole course of human history. So Wayne Grudem goes on to say this, yet God sees events in time, and acts in time. Which brings us to what we celebrate on this day. Jesus, the eternal God, broke into human history, and we call that day Christmas Day. So in Luke chapter 2, it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold... And on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Now, there are two reasons that I want to focus in on why Jesus came. There's many reasons why Jesus came to earth, but there's two reasons this morning that I want to focus in on. And the first is this Jesus came to save us. Jesus came to save us. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God set forth his Son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So this passage is really setting the stage for the gospel. We are under the law. Because we were under the law, because God has a standard and a law, we actually break it, okay? When we sin, we break the law, Jesus came for those of us, which is everyone, that sin and break the law to redeem us, to pay the price for our sins. When we see Christ dying on the cross, he's actually laying down his life to pay the price for our sin so we can be brought into his eternal family, adopted as sons and daughters. That's why the angel proclaimed to the shepherds he was a savior. In the city of David, a savior is born because he came to save us. In this very famous verse in John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The truth of the gospel is this. Whoever believes in Jesus will be forgiven of their sin, will receive eternal life. The most important thing that you can know about Christ is he came to save you. He loves you. He cares deeply for you and wants to forgive you of your sin. And the scriptures teach us this. It's only by faith, only through belief in Jesus that we receive eternal life, not by works. so that no one can boast. Okay? We cannot work our way to heaven only through trusting in Christ. So Jesus came to save us. So my prayer for you this Christmas is that you trust Jesus for salvation if you haven't yet. But the second is this, Jesus came to bring joy. Jesus came to bring joy. Now, the Apostle Paul teaches us in Philippians 2, 1 through 11, that Jesus' example was that he brought joy to others. Now, one of the words we often throw around at Christmas time is joy, right? I think it's on one of our walls, right? It's, you know, peace, hope, love, joy, right? We throw around this joy, Now, part of the reason many people feel depressed or discouraged around Christmas is because they're not experiencing joy. Maybe that's you. Maybe this is the first Christmas without a loved one, so you don't feel very joyful. Maybe you see everybody else being joyful. You see them buying gifts and exchanging gifts and going places and doing things, and you don't really have that much to do, so you're not experiencing as much joy as you would like to. So we see other people experiencing joy, and then we think, well, what about me? How come I don't experience joy? Well, the scriptures teach us that Jesus came to bring joy. Let's look. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. So now Paul is speaking to a group of Christians in the church in Philippi, and he's saying, now that you are believers in Jesus, if you've taken encouragement in Christ, if you've taken encouragement in the fact that he died for you, that you have salvation, if you're a Christian, Jesus was willing to die for you, take encouragement by that. If you're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you, And if you care, if you have affection or sympathy for the people around you, he's saying, complete my joy. Or in other words, bring joy to others. So much of our joy in our lives, a lot of times, depends on our circumstances, right? But what Paul is saying here is this. If you have Christ, if you have the Holy Spirit, if through that you have sympathy and care for other people, right? He's saying, complete my joy. Okay, this is the Christian walk. Complete my joy. In other words, bring joy to others because you have the joy of salvation. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you want to bring joy to others? And I ask that because I know there's a lot of miserable people out there that don't want to bring joy, right? There are. So we have to be Realistic. Do we want to bring joy to others? So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, before we look at what Paul says that Jesus did to bring joy, let me ask you this. What actually brings you joy? Maybe it is having a good time, laughing with family and friends, maybe going to see some type of entertainment. Maybe it's celebration of something, wedding, birthday, holiday, like today. You're looking forward to the joy that you'll have being with family. Maybe it's doing a hobby that you love. There are many things in life that bring us joy, but I think joy will always elude us if we're not the type of people that desire to bring others joy. Joy will always elude us if we're not the type of people that desire to bring others joy. Obviously, you've heard of the old classic, A Christmas Carol, right, by Charles Dickens. It's been remade, everybody, right? Mickey Mouse remade it, right? So, you know, you might see him plays or, or shows. I'm sure it's going to be on some marathon network today, right? But basically, A Christmas Carol is about a greedy miser named Ebenezer Scrooge, a man with no joy. A lot of money, no joy, okay? So that, that actually teaches the first lesson, right? A lot of money but no joy. He didn't desire to bring joy to others. He, he was miserly. He was greedy. He went to bed one night and had a terrible nightmare, as the story goes, right? And it scared him a lot. So basically, he woke up the next morning and realized, hey, I'm not the person that I'm supposed to be. I need to change my ways. I need to bring joy to to other people, so as most of you know, if you saw the play or the show or read the you know the story, you know he runs down the street, throwing money all over the place, gets to Tiny Tim's house, and they you know he gives them the Christmas dinner and everything, and everybody's happy. But the truth is, the man was changed because he realized that he needed to be the type of person that brought joy to other people. He had resources and abilities to bring joy to other people, but he was not joyful because he was miserly holding on to those things. So Paul starts out by telling these believers, here is what needs to happen. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So Paul starts off with this attitude or this mindset. So it's kind of a mindset. If you want to bring joy to other people, you have to have uh, the mindset of, I want to bring joy. So he starts off with the same mind, agreement, right? This doesn't mean you have to agree on everything. You're going to sit down with people today that you might not agree with on anything. But I will say this. I'm sure that you can find some agreement in the fact that you both want to have joy. So steer towards the topics that you can agree on and spend time talking about those things. The same love. When we all focus on showing other people love, it will minimize problems. So we need to ask ourselves when we're interacting with other people today and every day, right? Is this action or are these words communicating love? You know, sometimes we choose actions and words that don't communicate love, that cause problems, and maybe we do that intentionally. Your mindset is off. So what you need to do is say, you know what? I need to act and say loving things. Full accord of one mind. Accord is living in harmony or living in peace, another buzzword around Christmas time. Peace on earth, right? Well, Romans 12:18 says it this way. If possible, as long as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. If possible, as long as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. I know I've talked about that verse a lot of times, but because the truth is, there's going to be people in your life that are difficult people. But what God is saying here is, listen, as long as it depends on you, you do what you need to do to keep the peace. Don't do something wrong in retaliation to them but have this idea of, I want to live in harmony with the people around me. See, all of these things are going to get us into the mindset that we need to bring joy to others. Now, then Paul goes into the next three ways that Jesus actually sets an example for us on how we can bring joy, how Jesus actually brought joy to us. And he starts off with this, think of others. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Thinking of others. I know that many of you that are married and have children would agree with this, that parenting and being married are probably the best lessons in Having to think of others, right? Because before you were married and before you had kids, you were like, I just have to think about me. Maybe some of us thought about our parents and stuff, but our life revolved around us. Then you got married and you're like, oh, okay, now I got to think about somebody else. Then you had kids and then you're like, oh, I have to think about more people now. Okay, so the thing is, it's it's hard for us to do that. I can say probably the reason why there's so many failed marriages and struggling parents is because People have a hard time thinking of others, putting the needs of others before their own needs. Our natural inclination is to think of ourselves. So how in the world can we think of others? Well, here's what Paul does. He says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So he's talking about the mindset. He's saying the mind of Jesus is what you and I need to have. In order to think of others before ourselves. Because this is what Jesus did. He thought of us over himself. So he's saying the mind of Jesus is what we need to have. And the good news is, is what does Paul say here? Which is yours in Christ Jesus? Do you know the mind of Jesus is yours because you trust in him? Because you trust in him, the mind of Jesus is yours. But here's what you need to do. You need to grab hold of it. You need to act in it. Okay, we all have it available. We need to act in it. So when we think of the needs of others and meet those needs, here's what's going to happen. It's going to bring joy to them, but it's also going to bring joy to us. Some of you know that experience, thinking of others, right? Remember when you were a little kid on Christmas, you were like, what am I going to get, Right? And maybe you look, I remember when I was little, my brother was four years older, so like that discrepancy when he was a teenager. And uh, this is back in the 80s, so this is going back, right? So um, he got a boom box, remember those? Detachable speakers. You put one in each corner of the room with the long wires. And I remember getting all these toys. He just got the boom box. I don't know how much that thing was, but I remember thinking, Christmas must stink. He only got one thing. Meanwhile, his one thing was probably like 10 times the amount of what I actually received for Christmas. It, it, it's, it's hard for us to look and, and think about how other people See things. So the mind of Jesus is what we need to have. And the good news is because we trust in him, we have that. So when we think of others and the needs of others and meet those needs, it brings us joy, which brings us to the next, the next point that Paul says. Set aside the privileges to benefit others. Now this is talking about Christ. We, we already have the mind of Christ. It's available to us. And then it says, Christ, who, though he was in the form of God... Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now, this is where the passage gets a little more theological in nature. The theological truth taught here is Jesus, being God, came to earth in human form, right? The eternal God, only God is eternal. The eternal God broke into human history. Now, in verse six, it says, he did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped. What does that mean? Well, Jesus did not consider his equality with the Father something to be selfishly held on to. So he let go of those things for a time for the greater purpose of our salvation. This is where he breaks into history for a time. He let go. He set aside the privileges for our behalf, on our benefit to bring us joy. He stepped down from heaven to bring us joy. You know what? This reminds me of people that are in the military, right? That fight for our freedom. We celebrate those people. Why? Because they give up privileges and benefits for a time so that we can enjoy privileges and benefits, right? So we can be free. So we can have joy. Verse seven, Jesus emptied himself. What in the world does that mean? Well, the theological term is kenosis, the self emptying of Jesus. What does that mean? Charles Ryrie defines it this way. Christ emptied himself of retaining and exploiting his status in the Godhead and took on humanity in in order to die. So Jesus didn't just become human. He took on humanity. He was still God. He took on humanity, came to this earth, set aside some of his privileges and powers while he was here in order to lay down his life for us. Jesus, in John 10, 18, said, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So Jesus was being obedient, setting aside his privileges. The eternal God breaking into a certain time in history. Verse 8, he humbled himself. The ultimate act of humility before the Father and obedience to the Father was laying down his life. The greatest sacrifice that anyone can make is laying down their life for another person. Jesus did this for us. Matthew 20, 28 says, Jesus came to serve and not to be served. See, when we set aside our privileges to benefit others, it brings them joy. But the final thing that we learn about people that bring joy, is this. They glorify God. They glorify God. In Jesus' act of bringing the Father glory, he actually brought joy to us. So following God brings God glory. So now, because of Christ, because of what he did on the cross, the Father gets the glory, because the Father was willing to allow the Son to lay down his life. But check this out. Jesus was rewarded by the Father for bringing the Father glory and bring us joy. So Jesus actually benefited from this as well. And we'll see how it is. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed him on him the name that is above every name. So the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, when you live not just in view of yourself, but in view of bringing God glory and bringing joy to others, there are many rewards. The eternal God will bless you, and guess what? One of those rewards is the joy of knowing that you follow him. You'll experience joy when you follow God, which brings us to what Christians really should be doing in our lives, and this is... Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This Christmas, follow Jesus, the eternal God that saves us and brings joy, and you'll bring joy to the people that you are around. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. I'm thankful, Lord, that you brought us joy. But more importantly, I'm thankful, Lord, that you saved us from our sins. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their Savior, that they would trust you. For those who trust you, for those of us who do trust you, I pray that we're the type of people that bring others joy to bring glory to you. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.